NBC Sports Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this on a Wednesday afternoon. Go Vols 247's Ryan Callahan is here. Ryan, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Hey, doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. The weather is great uh, here in East Tennessee, um, which is nice to see because I was ready. I was so annoyed last weekend, Ryan, where I, my wife and I, we had put all of our winter clothes downstairs. Like we had just made the adjustment where it's like, all right, I think it's safe. It's safe to move on. And then, of course, it wasn't safe to move on. And then you're trying to figure out, put the heat on, not the heat on, leave the AC off. These are all just just being an adult and having to make these kind of decisions. Uh, and you're just it's it's hard. That's my that's my uh, my my little issue for the week. But it's good. We're done. I think we're finally peering through. Maybe it's spring in Tennessee. You never really know until like May. And then that's then you're true. Still- all right, you're killing it. You're you're killing me, Ryan. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to turn the page. I can't I go back. We're mostly, we're mostly there. There you go. Um, where should fans keep their eyes focused on during the orange and white game on Saturday, Ryan? Uh, you know, I I I, th- I think we're always drawn to the to the shiny new toys, right? So I, mm-hmm. I think we always kind of tend to look toward the newcomers. It'll be hard to to not make people excited to see what they have in Nico Iamaliava, the of course the freshman quarterback. Um, you know, generational talent really for Tennessee. Uh, first five-star quarterback they've signed since James Banks back in 2002. So it's been a long time since they had someone to get this excited about at the quarterback position. So naturally, I think you're going to be interested in seeing how he does. But um, I, you know, I think some of the, the positions to really watch as far as this team's success in 2023, though, edge rushers. I, I think Tennessee needs somebody to step forward there that can replace a lot of the production they got from Byron Young last year. I think he's going to be missed. You know, how does Joshua Josephs look? How does James Pierce look? Uh, do we see much out of Caleb Herring, the true freshman? And, and Roman Harrison, I think you kind of know what you're getting in him, but does the senior kind of step forward there and and show some flashes in the spring game too? But you've got to get some real production out of that group. So I, I'm interested in seeing how they do. Also be watching closely to see how the cornerbacks look. Um, they've been banged up at wide receiver this spring. You know, how does how does that group that which has a lot of bodies, a lot of experience now and a few talented freshmen thrown in now with Jordan Matthews, Ricky Gibson, Christian Conyer, you got Gabe Judy Lally, the, the transfer from BYU. How does that group sort of shake out? Who's out there first? What are the pairings and, and how do those guys play? Hard for me not to imagine that someone's, you know, kind of seeing the writing on the wall and leaving after spring practice. So who's maybe toward the back of the line? 
who looks good, who doesn't. They've got to find some production out of that group, and I think they've made that pretty clear. So I'll be watching that group pretty closely. But really, with what they lost from last year, there's not many positions that aren't worth watching in some form or fashion, of course. But uh, those are the two that stand out to me on defense. And, and of course, everyone's going to be watching Joe Milton to see if he can do what he did again uh, in the Orange Bowl, just to make sure, because until he does it consistently and against SEC competition, I think some Tennessee fans are going to have questions there. I find I find it interesting you didn't mention the tackles like you didn't mention the tackle spot which is where my eyes will be like I just jotted down like I am just so curious because I think it's just the most under talked about part of this offseason for Tennessee if that's unsettled and they look bad in the orange and white game and there's more rumblings this summer where it's like they have no idea which way they're going to go at that front that's when not the alarm bell being sounded, but that is just my biggest fear coming into the year. And that impacts what Joe Milton can be. That impacts what this Tennessee offense can be. That impacts their ceiling. I don't know. I feel like for me, it's just, I want to see how these offensive tackles uh, stack up against uh, the Leos and edge guys uh, that are going to be across from them on Saturday. Yeah, that, that's not unfair. And, and I will say that played into why I chose the edge rushers, those Leos. Yeah. Because I, I think this is a game where if those guys don't show you something when the offensive line is maybe a little bit behind right now, then you worry about what your pass rush is going to look like in the fall because they're, you know, you got Sean Davian Bradley on the way, but that's not a guy who who's likely to play a lot as a true freshman. I think he's mm-hmm. still a little raw, so um, especially coming in in the summer. So you pretty much know what you have at that position group unless they, you know, surprisingly make a, a transfer portal addition. So if they go out there Saturday and don't do well against this tackle group that's maybe still rounding into form, that that would be a concern to me. Uh, I, I'm with you, though. If I had kept listing down the positions, and again, there are several on this team, tight end, I would throw in that same group. Um, you know, the, the, the tackles for sure are, are a, a legitimate concern, I think. But we also don't know who's going to go out there with the ones. Will it be Will it be um, Gerald Mincy and, and, and Jeremiah Crawford? Will we get some some John Campbell with the ones, the, the Miami transfer? Or will he work with the twos as he's done for for at least part of the spring? You know that that'll be an interesting uh, group to watch to see just kind of what the pairings are. But yeah, I think they've got to figure out something with that group. I'd, I'd still be surprised if Campbell's not one of the starters there, uh, probably at left tackle. So to me, you know, is Gerald Mincy getting some work at right tackle? How does he look there? Because he pretty much played only left last year. Um, if Mincy's going to be the starter at right tackle, he's got to be comfortable there. And then Crawford uh, obviously played some last year, but how does he look again this spring? So, yeah, you've got to be solid in pass protection there. But to me, if the, it, it's always the double-edged sword of spring practice, right? If one side looks good, it's maybe that the other side looked bad. So to me, if the offensive tackles have a good day, I think we might come away saying, yeah, the offensive line looked better than we thought, but those edge rushers, maybe they're not as good as we thought. Or maybe those yeah. guys are really going to take a step back from Byron Young. I don't know what I want in that scenario. I don't really... Uh... I guess I would prefer the edge guys dominate if I had to say I would rather just see the pass rush come through with a lot of those edge guys. The, just someone popping on that edge, even if it means, uh-oh, Mincy's not a right tackle. I would, I'd be okay with that, I think. That, that's that, that, that's the, always the dilemma with spring practice, right? You, mm. you know what the narrative will be if that happens. There'll, there'll be all these concerns about the offensive line, but um, you know, at least you know that group is sort of, a work in progress that you might that the group you see out there Saturday with the ones might not be the group you see in in fall camp uh, and, and going into the season with you know Andre Kark the Texas transfer also being a guy who's maybe battling for a spot or working his way into to, to eventually being a starter so you know we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out but I, I do think they're 
uh, th there's reason to want to see the defense do well there too. I think that you know both sides have some key players they're replacing, but to me, um, Byron Young's a big one. If they if they can't generate a pass rush there consistently, it, it's going to hinder their their ability to to really disrupt things on on defense. Speaking of the tackles, they get two um, interesting tackles here: one in the state of Tennessee and Jesse Perry, one in Colorado and Gage Ginther. Is that he pronounced his last name? Is it Ginther? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, cool name, Gage Genther. Like you yeah. can only be like an offensive tackle or like a just a closer in baseball with Gage Genther. There's not a lot of opportunities. Like you can't run for Congress as Gage at Gage Genther. That's just it's not gonna work. So he had his path already kind of outlined there for him. But two very different uh profiles, it seems like, where Gage seems like the ceiling's a little bit higher, but a little bit more question marks as to whether or not he's a guard and a tackle, and then Jesse Perry um just being straight up offensive tackle for this group. But how does the two of them jumping in the boat for 2024 affect some of the bigger targets for Tennessee on the recruiting trail on the offensive line? You know, I, I wouldn't say it really affects anything. I think it's still early enough that, that Tennessee is going to going to take talent where they can get it for the most part. And and the beauty is we're still in this two year window and we'll see if it becomes a permanent thing where there's really no 25 signee limit. There's no mm. there's no limit on the numbers. So if you ever get in a position where you think you're up against it and, you know, we Hey, we've taken what we're going to take at that position. And then somebody surprisingly wants in, you can just take it and sort of figure out the numbers later. Um, it, it's not always the easiest thing to figure out, but in the transfer portal era, someone's almost always going to leave. So you can, you can figure it out. So yeah, I, I don't think it really affects any of those big, big targets out there. Uh, but I think it's just sort of a reaction to, to maybe what happened last year a little bit where, you know, you didn't, you didn't see Tennessee focus on a big number of guys. They sort of honed in on a handful of guys going into the summer at the tackle position and then they ended up kind of short and, and had to go uh, later in the year after uh, the junior college tackled uh, Larry Johnson and, and could be a, a really intriguing pickup long term. We'll see how he develops, but um, but still not an ideal situation when you look at the, the fact they were in it for Francis Mauingoa and Lucas Simmons and Stanton Ramil and, and got none of those guys. So I think the key this year is you've got to come away with some tackle bodies. And, and, and like you said, both of these, Jesse Perry and Gage Genther, can play tackle. Um, we'll, we'll see long term where both of them end up. But interestingly enough, even though I think Perry's frame lends itself to being a true tackle, he said uh, he said when I spoke with him uh, last week before his uh, announcement that Glenn Ellerby at least has talked about uh, at least floated the idea of maybe trying him at center too. So even hmm. he might not be a guaranteed tackle, but I think more than likely that's where he ends up. Ginther, I think Tennessee sees him as a right tackle. You always have the fallback plan of playing him at guard. So you've kind of got two tackle bodies already in this class, both six, five and a half or taller. That's that's a, a good build. Both of them under 300 pounds. So still relatively lean, good athletes. Uh, a lot to like about that uh, that tandem so far and a good good start to the offensive line class. And I think it still gives them good options moving forward. You know, it doesn't really close the door on anything down the road. They just needed three tackles probably in this class. And now you've got a couple of them and you can sort of focus on making sure you ideally get one of those top targets to kind of finish out that position group. And if you surprise yourself and get a couple of those guys, then, then you can still probably make room for that. Who among those top targets do you think the Vols are as of April 12th in the best position to land to jump into that final three with them? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Now an interior guy, I think they're in, still in pretty good shape with is Ronan O'Connell out of mm -hmm. the mid state there. That's a long time target that Tennessee still uh, prioritizing there. He, he projects as a likely guard or center. So um, that, that's still one they'll, they'll continue to go after. And, you know, otherwise the, the focus is more on, on tackle bodies. There are maybe a couple of other interior guys they're in on, but 
for the most part, I think the focus in this class is, is making sure they get some tackle depth. Um, I, I think out of that group, you know, we'll, we'll see Ethan Callaway is, is one, a four-star out of North Carolina. They're, they're in it for him. You know, he's supposed to come back in this weekend for the orange and white game. Uh, the last I heard. So we'll, we'll see if that, uh, if that visit happens as planned. And if, if, if it does, that's a big chance for Tennessee to, to build on a, a strong first impression they made back in January. So he, He's one I, I've kind of had my my eyes on as uh, a realistic possibility. Uh, Kevin Haywood out of Pennsylvania, they, they've gotten hmm. him on campus multiple times. He was back on, on campus this past week, and you know, is he had, a four two? He's a four star. Also, okay. problem there is he has ties to Penn State, and he's mm-hmm. in state there for the Nittany Lions, so might be a tough one to to win that battle in the long run. Uh, but they they've got some other options there that I think they're in good shape with. You know, they're going to continue to swing at guys like like Daniel Calhoun. Uh, and then they've got some some official visitors that we know lined up. Uh, Marcus Easley is one out of Illinois mm-hmm. that I think Tennessee's in maybe better shape with than than, than people might think, uh, being that he's from Illinois. But he was on campus this past weekend for the first time, really liked it. And uh, and, and Tennessee's going to be in that one for a while and, and get an official visit. So uh, that there there's still a, a pretty healthy board there. It's hard to hard to really pinpoint one that they're just you know in in the lead for or anything like that right now. But I think they've got enough options there and are in the top two or three or at least top four for several of those guys to where I think they're going to come out with at least one more they, they really like out of that group. Is there anyone over the next couple of years? Because it's like I tell I was talking about this on the podcast last night where I'm like, you know, be nice because you just see the state of Georgia has these five star tackles that are just in every class. Texas, they have a five star tackle in every class, Florida, California in the home states. That's pretty nice. Tennessee doesn't have a Trey Smith in every home yeah. state class year over year. Is there anyone for Tennessee fans like, hey, this is a five star on the rise or could be a five star when it's all said and done in the state of Tennessee in the next couple of years? Is there someone like that right now on the offensive line or anything? Yeah, yeah, in the offensive line over the next couple uh, of years. I don't I don't see it on the offensive line right now. That mm-hmm. doesn't really can't happen. But, you know, the, this state's pretty good, though, at producing a, a pretty steady stream of the, the three and four star type offensive linemen, guys who can be good SEC players, you know. We've seen plenty. Cooper Mays, the the latest example, but you know Jesse Perry and Ronan O'Connell might be the the next in that in that line. The, the state has a pretty good track record of producing at least SEC level linemen. But yeah, you know the Cade Mazes and the Trey Smiths, those are those are fewer and farther between. So so not right hmm. now, but we'll see. Sometimes those things can pop up unexpectedly. Move to Tennessee. There's all kinds of property, folks. If you are in Pennsylvania, Illinois, and you have a, a, a son who uh, might profile as a five-star, go ahead and get him acclimated so that we can put the put in those recruiting chops early and often. Um, of the newcomers who did not arrive early for 2023, Ryan, who do you think makes up the gra- makes up the most ground the fastest this summer, based on what you've seen from their tape and how you, how well you know them? Uh, well, I, I think I think some of it just goes to opportunity. Some of it, mm. you know, comes down to just where's the depth chart give you a chance to to play early and 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 make up that ground quickly. Uh, I I would I would immediately point to Tyree Weathersby. I think mm. I think defensive end from Georgia. He he's a he's a really nice player that I think uh, a, a lot of people overlooked for a while in, in that 2023 class. And uh, Tennessee coveted him for a while and 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 didn't have a lot of SEC competition for him when they landed him back on, on July 1st, I think it was. And, and to, to, to hear how excited I think a lot of people at Tennessee are about him. Uh, I'll be surprised if he doesn't at least have a chance to work his way into the rotation as, as a true freshman. Now that's a big ask for a, um, for a freshman in the SEC, considering the, the work you usually have to do in the weight room. That's a little more of a developmental position, a lot like the offensive line, but he at least has the skill set to me that he could come in and, and, you know, at least be maybe a, 
a fifth or sixth guy at defensive end where, where when they rotate 12 guys and they try to do that all the time on the defensive line, he could at least be someone that works his way in there as a true freshman. So um, I, I would I would say Khalifa Keith has an opportunity as well hmm. at running back, just knowing that Tennessee doesn't really have a running back like him on the roster. He's a big kid, not yeah. not in a, an unhealthy way. He's just a largely built human where he, he's already <laughs> in the 235-pound range or so and, and carries that weight pretty well. And, and it might be interesting to see how he develops. Does he does he get bigger when he gets in a college weight room? I don't I don't know what's going to happen if he can get much bigger without hmm. it being an issue. But he he's just such a big kid that you know with having solid speed for a bigger back, I, I think they'll be tempted to put him in there in at least some short yardage and goal line situations. So those those two just you know stand out to me as maybe having the best chance to play early and and kind of make a name for themselves this fall, but. Uh, sometimes you're surprised by that. It, it is a shorter list too. Most of those guys are already on campus. It's only like what six guys that aren't here yeah. right now. So, so it's a small group. But those two to me stand out. And you know, Weathersby, if he'd been here in January, I think he would have had a real chance of playing early. But even now, I wouldn't completely rule out that he could you know get some playing time this fall. Interesting. Roman Harrison profiled. I was uh, going back through because it's it's easy to forget when I was thinking about like Ramel Keaton. It's like he was a top five player in his class for UT feels like forever ago but that was that was the case and like i'm i'm buying all the romel keaton stock uh right like i'm i'm buying all of it i think he's gonna be really really good for joe i think they have a better connection i think squirrel's like the boomer bust kind of guy like squirrel will be good i don't i just i trust romel the most of this group and i i'm pretty pretty in on this final uh what could be his final year here for Tennessee and I think he starts like I don't think the I don't think Thornton starts out of the gate I think it's Ramel Squirrel and Brew and I think they get a lion's share of the opportunities and Dante's more of like a Swiss army knife and with guys being banged up and move him around in different ways because he can play uh, at the slot and outside but I was looking at that and then I peered over and I'm like Roman Harrison four star Courtney Upshaw was his NFL comp on 247 from a couple years ago obviously built like like just all muscle roman harrison is just an all muscle dude <laughs> when you look at him and he hasn't had the opportunity yet to really take over that leo spot it seems like if the season started today he would be the starting he would be a starter at that leo spot based on what he what he was coming in and what you saw from him in high school and what he has done to this point could you see when we talk about the edge guys everyone wants to talk about joseph's and pierce and company but is there not a realistic chance that Roman Harrison could be a really good Leo guy and make that leap that he was kind of profiled to be when he came in under the Jeremy Pruitt era, Jeremy Pruitt era. Uh, maybe I, I, I would not rule that out. I will say one of the things that one of the reasons I think people gravitate more toward the Josephs and the Pierces and, mm. the, and the herrings of the, of the world are those guys have the measurables. They have the things that you really want to see at that position. And I, mm. I do think Roman Harrison, it, it it's maybe taken a little bit longer for him in, in his development because he's not as tall. He doesn't have the mm. length. And when you when you go up against certain offensive tackles, just not having that reach can be mm. a, a hindrance. So I, I do think that's something he has to compensate for. But I think last year he did show some signs of being a pretty disruptive guy off the edge. He he looked he he looked more uh, consistent to me in, in terms of getting into the backfield and, and and a guy that you just noticed in games more. Whereas a lot of times in the past, I felt like he just didn't get there a lot of times. He was at least in the in the picture when when quarterbacks mm. were throwing it a lot of times, and that's that's a good sign. So I think he, there's a chance he's you see a jump forward out of him. But what, what I'm interested in seeing is now that Tennessee and they've kind of started to stack some talent at that position, how much can they get two of those guys on the field at the same time? Because mm. I think 
going to want to play Josephs and Pierce a good bit, assuming those guys continue to show what they what they want to see out of them. And there's still works in progress. No, nobody should be thinking those guys are ready to ready to break out as sophomores. I think there's still some work to do there um, in, in different areas for both of them. But the, the talent's there, and Tennessee needs them. And, and mm. so how much on third downs are they willing to, to say, we'll put Roman Harrison on this side and Josh Josephs or James Pierce on this side and just let them pin their ears back and go? Um, that, that's going to be interesting to me. Uh, on, on early downs, I think you'll see one of those guys, but how often can they work in two at the same time? But, yeah, I, I think Harrison could have a nice year, but I wouldn't expect a Byron Young-type breakout mm. necessarily. Not you know, not that Young really ever ever reached double digit sacks, but I think you can see um, Harrison at least take a, a an incremental step forward based on what he showed last year. And then to me, the question becomes: How is the workload divided among those guys behind him, and how much can they keep Harrison on the field while working in those other guys? I like it. Um, April commitment watch. Who is the name that you're most that Vols fans should keep an eye on the most over the next month? Uh, I, one I'm interested in seeing, uh, and he's supposed to be in town this weekend, is, is Edries Farouk, uh, the hmm. safety out of out of Maryland, uh, St. Francis Academy. He's been to Tennessee multiple times already, has been high on Tennessee each time he's he's been there, has continued to, to speak highly of the Vols. I think he's he's one that we've heard about as a, as a possible spring decision, so that, that's at least one to to keep an eye on. You know, Beyond that... It, is he the one who's also teammates with Iffy? He is. He's teammates okay. with Ify Abedagwu. Don't know. The, don't know yet that Ify's going to be in town this weekend as well. Although their, mm-hmm. their visits have been uh, together each time they've been to Tennessee, so we'll see if if he also ends up being added to the visitor list this weekend. But but at least um, Farouk has mentioned that he will be in town. So they they've um, they've been in good shape with him for a while. He's talked about a spring decision. Hasn't really said anything publicly lately about that. But I think that's at least a possibility. Otherwise, you know, these spring commitments and and Jesse Perry is a good example. That he's a guy that everything he said up until you know a couple days before his announcement was, I'm going to wait till June, July. I'm mm-hmm. going to take official visits, and, and then it just kind of comes up one day. I, I think I'm ready. I think I don't need to see anything more. So, so commitments this time of year can be a little harder to predict because engage Ginther, another example, took one visit, and, and mm-hmm. who who even knew the week before when he came to Tennessee for the first time that, that he was one who might end up um, in in Tennessee's class or or be. You know, a lot of people probably wouldn't have even guessed he would be that high on Tennessee's board. Um, mm-hmm. Just knowing the three-star from Colorado, like what, what are the chances this turns into anything serious that quickly? So a lot of the commitments this time of year can be a little more surprising. So let, let's see who makes it in this weekend for the spring game. Let's see if anything develops out of all these spring visits. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect a lot more this month, but uh, there's at least a, a chance for something more there. And, and Tennessee's gotten a lot of guys on campus throughout spring practice. It's been a really impressive spring for them in terms of hosting visitors several five stars have come through the past couple weeks so you know maybe somebody unexpectedly decides to do something sooner but most guys who've waited this long are kind of looking toward the summer toward june and july so i i wouldn't expect a rash of commitments but hey you never know spring games can surprise you sometimes and and sometimes uh some of these guys get through spring visits and they're like okay i'm ready i'm doing what i can i'm a part view alum uh back in the home state of georgia i'm doing what i can in the mike matthews front so uh yeah. free of charge for josh heupel and company but i'm doing what i can to uh emphasize tennessee and get mike matthews uh in in orange i i think tennessee's got more of a shot there than a lot of people might realize certainly outside mm. the state of tennessee I, I don't think a lot of people are looking at mike matthews the guy who's you know going to end up at tennessee but i think tennessee's very much in that one they've done a really good job with him so far three visits since october was just in town again recently. They're, they've got a legitimate shot in that one, and that's 
Um, you know, he wants to play wide receiver. That probably works in Tennessee's favor there. If he wanted to play safety, there might be some other teams that would have, you know, NFL uh, or, or traditions of producing NFL talent that, that might stand out to him. Going to be hard to beat Tennessee's offense uh, to a lot of wide receivers out there. So that's at least something working in, in Tennessee's favor. And he's hearing some talk from Tennessee about how, how they could use him kind of similar to how they use Jalen Hyatt in some ways, mm-hmm. how he reminds them of Jalen Hyatt in some ways. So that's, I, I could see Tennessee winning that battle. It's a long way to go in that one, but they've, they've got a real shot. Well, it's interesting you say that because my next question, the best player on Tennessee's board, you think the Vols currently have a better than 50 chance, 50% chance of getting as of April 12th, Ryan? Mm. I would, man, there's a few guys who probably fit that, fit that is better than 50, 50, better than 50, 50. Ooh, see that, that narrows it a little bit more. I, I would say Tennessee's got about right now, about a 50, 50 shot. And this is pretty early for a guy like this, but I, I'll, I'll go with Jordan Ross right now. Hmm. Five-star edge rusher from Alabama. They've done a really good job with him so far. Problem there is that that 50 50 or, or whatever I'm putting in that right now could go down in a, in a heartbeat when you've got teams like Georgia and Alabama involved. And that's, that's the case with him. Now, the, the reason it's working out well for Tennessee so far is he's the rare Alabama kid who doesn't, who's rated that highly, who doesn't look like Alabama's one of his favorites right now. Hmm. Is that because Alabama's not all in on him, or is that because he just doesn't care if he goes to Alabama? Hard is he from there, or is he a guy who moved? Yeah, as, as I, be- I believe he's from there. I, I don't, hmm. I'm not aware of him having moved in from another state. So I, um, just a just a Birmingham area guy that's willing to go elsewhere. And hmm. uh, Georgia, Georgia is also among the favorites. Uh, he he kind of liked Georgia, I, I think, from the start, just like Tennessee. So they've gotten him on campus a few times already. He's going to be back in town this weekend for the spring game. Still looks like a guy who's more likely to make a summer or, or even fall commitment. But you know, right now, I'd, I'd give Tennessee a coin flip of, of a shot at, at Jordan Ross uh, just based on what they've done so far. So that that's one that stands out. Um, Do you think they get any five stars in this class? Do you think they get at least one? I'll say they get one. I, it, okay. Even though it's not a guarantee. I mean, uh, it, it's it's not a sure thing with any five star, but they've they've got enough chances, enough irons in the fire that you know whether it's Ryan Wingo, Mike Matthews, Jordan Ross, you know, one, one of those guys, or, or even Williams Wanary, the, the mm. defensive lineman. They, they've got they've got enough legitimate possibilities that I, I'll, I'll say they get one from that group. It's not a sure thing. Sammy Brown, even an outside possibility, mm. um, not a great possibility, but they're they're still in that one. So they've. Um, they've got enough real options there, and they've done a good enough job of getting those guys on campus on a regular basis. That I'll, I'll say they get one, uh, but people—I sh- don't think people should be expecting a you know two or three or, or four or five stars in this class. But they—they—they they, they should get one, and, and probably should get their share of those you know top two hundred type players in this class. All right, final two quick ones for you. The biggest difference you've heard from coaches around the southeast and how Pruitt and Heupel recruit is what? Uh you know, it's. I, I think it's just the that I wouldn't say that the previous staff didn't come off as genuine, but the thing that you just hear the most about Tennessee staff everywhere is just how down to earth and real this staff seems to be, and that and that obviously starts with Josh Heupel, who you know I've heard since he got to Tennessee since day one, basically, and continued to hear since then from everyone that meets him. They're just like. He's the most normal guy they've had that maybe of any SEC head coach. They've, hmm. you know, most SEC head coaches just have this this aura about them. They have an ego. They carry themselves uh, with a, with a lot of confidence. Sometimes they act like they shouldn't be wasting their time talking to people in, in certain settings. You just everybody's different, but they all 
there, there's some ego there and Josh Heupel just doesn't carry himself that way. And I think, think it's because he was a player. Yeah. I, I think it's part, I mean, part of it's just his personality, right? Mm-hmm. His, his dad was a, was a coach, not a, not mm-hmm. at this level, but um, you know, I think he just, he likes coaching. I don't think he coaches to be famous. I think he coaches because he likes coaching and, and he's, he's just a competitor. Um, but he, part of it's just who he is. Part of it's maybe the fact that, yeah, he was big time in college. So he just sort of knows how to, to deal with the spotlight uh, to a degree, but he's just, he just comes off as really down to earth. And I think that kind of goes through this whole staff though. They really don't have, and, and it's, it's not a, uh, not always a plus in some ways, you know, they don't have a star recruiter on the staff. They don't have a, a guy who's just known as one of the nation's best recruiters among assistant coaches. But well, Willie is in the top 10, right? On 247 right now, recruiter rankings. Isn't he somewhere in the top 10? Who? Willie Martinez, isn't he in the top uh, 10? He's he's probably up there. I, I, yeah. I haven't looked at uh, this, this this week, but yeah, he's up there because they've, they've got some good defensive backs uh, in, the, in their class right now. He's done a good job yeah. uh, with this group, but but in terms of one like, year contracts, it's all who knew one year contracts. Yeah. So I got to do everyone is on a one year contract. Then everyone's an amazing recruiter. Put, put some pressure. No, uh, mm-hmm. But that, but there's no, you know, Brian Niedermeyer on this staff yeah. where, of course, in hindsight, that one maybe looks a little bit different. <laughs> but but no guy on this staff where people are talking about him as a national recruiter of the year. You know, they don't yeah. have to with that reputation. But all these guys, when you get them one-on-one and sit down in living rooms or their office or whatever, they just come off as normal and approachable and and good coaches. And Tennessee's developing players, too, to back that up. So that's, that's the thing you hear most. I think Jeremy Pruitt came off as real in a lot of cases, too, but – Sometimes he was almost too blunt with players. He would get them in, their, in his office and tell them everything that they did wrong on film. And some players kind of liked that. They're like, hey, usually people are kind of blowing smoke <laughs> up my rear, telling me how great I am. And mm-hmm. this guy just kind of told me everything I need to fix about my game. That's different. So mm-hmm. that he was real in a different way, but he still had a, a, a confidence about him that I think is a little bit different from the way Heupel and that staff carry themselves. So I think that's the biggest thing. They're just, they just come off as normal guys. They work hard. They, they put in the time uh in, in recruiting and, and do a, a better job than i think people expected them to do coming in and, and they just come off as as players that, that guys want to play for hmm. final question for you um current commit in the 2024 class that'll be the hardest for the vols to keep from signing elsewhere before national signing day will be who uh i i would probably lean t- towards still saying jonathan eccles the the four-star mm. athlete from img academy uh tennessee's been recruiting him as a tight end that that's that's kind of been my default answer there for a while but but that one still could change uh you know caleb beasley's taking visits still um jj harrell's a guy that's still going to continue to hear from other schools but um eccles is just the one because he's at img because he's in florida close to some other schools because he's still good enough that he's going to be pursued by other schools that that you just don't rule out anything with that one. But I will say the fact that he wants to play tight end, I think is working in Tennessee's favor because a lot hmm. of the schools that would want to flip him, I think see him as an edge rusher. Um, hmm. they're analysts at 24 seven sports that are convinced he has a higher ceiling as an edge rusher than he does as a tight end. So he almost, he's one of those guys that maybe wants to play a position that currently isn't thought to be at least by a lot of people, his best. And so that maybe ends up helping Tennessee, which is talked about nothing but tight end to this point. So, so we'll see how that plays out. But I, I think Tennessee's in more solid shape with him than, than people have maybe thought the, the past few months. But he's still one to at least keep an eye on just because he's not, he's not in their backyard. He's not in state. And because there are going to be some other teams still pursuing him, even though a lot of them might see him as, as more of an edge rusher. So I'll say him, but it, it could end up being a, a J.J. Harrell just, just because I think he's a, a good wide receiver that, that, that might end up hearing from some other teams in the coming months too. So – Probably a coin flip between those two, but I'll still lean toward Eccles just because 
IMG, Florida, those types of guys just tend to be a little more open later in the process than than some other kids will. Isn't Niedermeyer at IMG? Isn't that he, he is he is there? Uh, I'm sorry, he's uh, he, he's there and has has been at St. Thomas Aquinas also. But okay, um, but yeah, not not the kind of thing that's going to hurt Tennessee in the end. Okay. Everyone's kind of wondered about that. Is he poisoning the water for Tennessee down there? I, I don't think so. But IMG is one of those schools that no one ever locks down that that school. It's just a everybody goes in there everybody recruits it and if you get one of their 20 big time guys in that class you've done pretty well yeah um that's interesting i i wonder if it's just you bring Eccles in and you're like all the tennessee staff you'll never get him to admit this but they're like well we're telling him he's a tight end for us then we get him in here and it's like whoa you're actually you know who would have thought like it's just you're too far behind but you can get on the field here as an edge like wow it's like a jeremy bang situation where it's like he's actually not a running back you're actually a pretty solid uh linebacker and we can transition you there you just let them start there and then you're like are you sure Cause you're really popping on the other side and you might just be buried on the depth chart. Like just get him in the room, get him on, get him in the boat and just see what happens. You, you never know with those things. I, I never rule out anything. You know, Jeremy mm-hmm. Banks was even a case where he came in here and he had to start fumbling before that yeah. became a possibility, you know? Um, but, but I, I, I could, I could see that scenario being on the table down the road, but so many times these days, this staff, especially they, they seem pretty big on letting guys play where they want to play them or yeah. where guys want to play because it's, in the transfer portal era, especially, you got to keep guys happy, or they're gonna if, if they're not at the position they if they feel like you did the bait and switch on them in recruiting, they'll 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 jump out the door the first chance they get. So you've got to be as upfront as you can with that stuff these days. I don't know if I'm only Martinez, I'm locking the safety door from Danico Slaughter, where it's just the safety <laughs> room meetings. It's like Danico wants to go back home. It's like, nope, sorry, you were too good at corner. We don't have enough. You're you're playing corner, and you're gonna like it. Like this is not for you anymore. Can't do it. I think he's good with playing corner. I okay, good. Most of those guys. Most DBs want to play corner these days. They yeah. see that as the big money position uh, in the NFL, so that, there, there's always that. But yeah, I, I think he's good with that, and that's that's that, that's obviously worked out well for him so far. Yeah, I mean, I I feel okay. Like if Nico Slaughter and Gabe Judy Lolly is the starting corners on uh, the Virginia game, I feel pretty good. That's feel, that's an improved good. situation. Yeah, yeah. Lally, I mean, we've seen what we've seen already on the practice field, but I, I I'll be interested to see how he looks in the spring game. But it, so far all the feedback we've gotten has been pretty positive. I, I think he's, he, he's looked the part and kind of what you would expect as a guy who's got a lot of starts under his belt. So we'll, we'll see if it lives up to it Saturday, but I, I think he's been pretty good so far. There you go. Ryan, what can the GoVox check out from you and the team over at GoVols247 this week? Yeah, well, it's a spring game, so, you know, not a lot <laughs> going on there, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, Tennessee plays Arkansas this weekend. So we've even got a big baseball series going on, but, uh, but yeah, the spring game is, uh, is, is sort of front and center. All kinds of coverage of that recruiting it's a huge recruiting weekend always for the spring game and tennessee's had a bunch of guys in lately so tons of recruiting news to to keep track of and you know again we'll we'll see if any of these guys coming in this weekend works toward a, a possible spring decision or anything like that but yeah plenty, plenty to keep track of on the recruiting front for sure and we'll be breaking down the orange and white game uh from from every possible angle as well so lots to lots to check out on govals247.com and actually 50 percent off for an annual subscription right now uh, if you want to go check it out there you go i'm already subscribed but yes, everyone else, get in there. Uh, it's it's great stuff, Ryan. You do great work. Um, and the rest of the team over there. Uh, ben McKee, one of my favorite baseball writers. Uh, so all That's kinds good. of great stuff over at GoVols247. Go do it uh, today. If you've not already, enjoy the game. Enjoy the overreactions on the message boards and in your Twitter mentions to anything that goes wrong for Tennessee because that is the nature of the beast. Ryan, thank you so much. And I will have to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chase. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. 
As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.